0: fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. So today I have something I want to share with you. I did a little experiment, uh, something that was deeply personal and interesting. I think at least it was interesting to me. Um, on our circle of care, if you if you don't know about our circle of care, we have a Facebook group, a private Facebook group that um exists for anyone in the disability community whether you are a person with a disability someone who's a caregiver for a person with a disability a professional in the disability community or connected to the disability community in any way an ally if you will so the circle of care is open to all you just have to um go ahead and request to join And I think right now we've got uh, like 600, over 650 members, something like that. And, you know, there's not a lot being posted besides what me and my group post. Um, And naturally it started out as, uh, you know, heavily weighted towards Massachusetts residents just because that's where I'm from and that's where I'm, you know, known really well. So, but we do have, people in the circle from all over, all over, literally all over the entire world. And that's growing every day. So I threw this question out to everybody. What would you, what's your dream? Like, what would you want? If, if I can do anything for you today to make your life better, what can I do for you? And I said, you know, Hey, I'm feeling like a genie and I want to grant all your wishes. So please let me know. I only got a few people who uh, spoke up but they were great, great wishes. You have to go to the circle to find out what they are. Not gonna tell you here. But the whole premise behind, you know, what one thing can I take off your plate today Was something that I, you know, I'm not going to take credit for. I'd heard from from someone else and thought that's a great idea. You know, one of my tips that I give every year at holiday time is, trying to get through the holidays is really rough for me. It's rough for a lot of people who are living with disability in their lives, and acts of service to others can really help diminish your misery just a little bit. So I don't want to say that I'm feeling miserable, because I'm not. But I'm feeling particularly grateful right now for all the good things that are happening in my life. And I want to share the joy and I want to make it just a fraction better for all of you out there. So I asked that question, you know, what can I do for you today? And Um, in, in, In addition to that, I talked about dreaming big, wanting to pick up your dreams where they left off and talking about how in our lives, a lot of times we really are small. We feel small, we make ourselves small. We don't have a voice. So I wanted to make sure that I encouraged everybody to dream big. You know, what are those dreams that you have? What would you like to get done? Who do you want to be? Whether you are 10 or 25 or old like me, (laughs) it's important to keep dreaming and to keep having goals, no matter what they are. It could be, I want to learn how to bake bread, or my goal is that I want to get myself up to walking a mile a day. Or, you know, I want to get my kids successfully launched into adulthood. Or I want to make a million dollars. Or I've always wanted to start this new business. Or I've always wanted a job, you know, in the government making a difference. Whatever it is. Once you speak it, that's the start, right? Speak it out loud. So um, I had a really wonderful episode that I recorded with John Fellageller. What a great name, Geller. And John is um, someone who spent 20 years in education. And man, if that doesn't get you down, I don't know what will. Um, so he was working uh, as a teacher, as a mentor, and as a school director. He's from Illinois. He's a single father to his son, Christopher, who has autism. And currently he's still a special education teacher in Chicago. He also contributes regularly to Key Ministries, special needs family blog, and he has um, other blogs that he contributes to. He's a really excellent writer. And he's somebody who you can really look up to as a mentor. Um, He's got a lot of really great things to say. And as we are creeping up on Father's Day, I wanted to give a shout out to all the dads out there doing amazing, wonderful work, acts of courage, acts of bravery, acts of selflessness, and things that are, you know, sometimes beyond the rest of us. So with in his role um, as Dad, particularly talking about being a a divorced dad. He's navigated a variety of traumas, um, including raising his special needs child, what it's like single parenting and so many other things. And he talks about the intersection of faith and community. And um, it's been wonderful getting to know John. So I hope that you check out his blog, We'll have all of his contact information in our show notes. And I hope that you'll dream big today. Well, as we get closer to Father's Day, I wanted to do a special episode, you know, one of our Share Our Stories episodes with John Feligeller, who is a phenomenal, if you listen to my intro, <laughs> a phenomenal presence in the disability parenting community. So, John, welcome. Thank you for coming to the show.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Annette.
0: So I really want to start first just leaning into your story. If you can just talk to us a little bit about your your disability parenting experience and what that's been like.
1: Absolutely. So I, I always like to start out by saying that first and foremost, I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a special needs dad. I have a wonderful 14-year-old son, Christopher, who has autism and is nonverbal. Uh, he'll actually be graduating in eighth grade in a couple of weeks. So that's a huge milestone. We're very excited Ooh. for that. Yay. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> it like, takes boom.
0: a lot of effort to get them there.
1: <laughs> oh, it does. It does. And and it, it takes a village too. It takes a village. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, And, you know, I I would start by saying that, you know, when when we got our son's diagnosis, really, we got his formal diagnosis around three, but, you know, obviously things came up about 18 months. Um, Like I think most parents and specifically most dads, my reaction was pretty typical was, um, you know, confusion, anxiety, fear, uh, just a, a whole gamut of questions. But what kind of played out, which I think unfortunately is kind of typical in most marriages and families is that. Um, you know, my, my ex, my now ex-wife and I were, were both educators, um, you know, but, but this was certainly our first child. So, you know, we were also kind of learning as we went as well, um, you know, in terms of her personality and, you know, how it played out in terms of her responding to the diagnosis and, and the challenges we were facing. You know, she just kind of turned into the the stereotypical autism mama bear, you know, uh, very organized, seeking out resources, getting the therapists, getting the doctors, um, working with insurance, all of those things. She was very good at those things and still is. Um, And, you know, very type A personality type of a thing. And for me, what I saw was, okay, um, my experience, and I think the experience of most men out there, and, and this is something that I get from not just men around the country, but also from the moms as well, is men typically are, are the breadwinners in most families, not all, and and to be perfectly honest, not in ours either. You know, I was never the breadwinner. Um, but what usually happens is dad works, dad works hard, dad says I'll pay for whatever needs to be paid for, but mom usually winds up sorting those things out. And in many cases, mom you know, may or may not be a stay at home mom. And in my ex-wife's case, you know, she worked as well again as a teacher. So it's it's not like she had all of this extra time to do all of this, it was just something she took on. But the problem is, is then that kind of develops into a very awkward kind of a dynamic in the marriage, meaning that, yes. uh, you know, mom takes it all on and mom willingly yes. takes it all on, but then there's resentment that builds, right? And then there can be guilt that that builds on the side of the father. And really, it almost becomes kind of an identity crisis. So for me, I had to figure out early on, okay, what do I do? You know, what, who am I? You know, who am I as a parent to my child? And how do I relate to this? You know, what am I providing? If I'm not the one who's just signing all the checks, um, then then what is that, right? Because she's really taking care of most of it. So uh, there were a couple of things that I figured out early on. First of all, Uh, a a big lesson, and this is something that I've really carried through my, my entire time parenting my child, was I had to remember that although my child had a disability, although my child had differences and challenges, he was still my son and I was still his dad. And we had to figure out a way to bond. And what was interesting actually was in the early years. My ex-wife actually, uh, besides teaching, uh, did uh, real estate on the side on on the weekends a lot. So most of the weekends, I had my son, and even as as a young little guy, and you know, I would say, okay, well, I'm dad, you're my kid. Let's let's go out and do stuff. You know, let's let's do the typical parent kid thing. So we'd explore and go to parks and go to petting zoos and all kinds of different things. Um, You know, of course, he was he was a younger guy. And of course, with the challenges, you know, I had to always be kind of on top of everything. So I like to tell the story about when he was like six months old, I took him to this uh, uh, petting zoo in our in our area here in northern Illinois. And, um, you know, it's really popular place and everything and they had this little sit down restaurant and i remember he was like 6 months old really colicky we really weren't sure exactly all of his challenges yet and i had you know packed you know i was you know totally to the letter i had the whole diaper bag packed and everything but i mean i was overwhelmed because i had him by myself and i remember just begging one of the one of the waitresses, can I, could you please just watch my kid for like two seconds so I can run to the bathroom type of a deal. So, you know, it, it, it's a lot of overwhelm, right? And, but, but what I said is, okay, but, but this is my role. I'm dad and, and we're going to do this, right? And then of course, as time played on um, and things got more pronounced, it became okay. Well, mom has really done a lot of this legwork. work, um, I did start to contribute in some ways because, again, also as a teacher, I was able to get some resources and recommendations about some therapists and things too. But at the end of the day, it really became my wife really handling everything and me not so much. So what I would tell you is that there, there definitely was a divide that was created. Um, 10 years ago, it almost led to a separation, but it did not. And one of the things that I learned, though, in terms of all those stresses was, first of all, you can't do parenting alone. Parenting itself is hard. Parenting a special needs child is, you know, it's exponentially hard, right? And I think one of the biggest challenges for us also as parents and as a family was we really didn't have a lot of friends. I mean, we, we had some friends, but most of them, either their, their kids were older and their kids were all typical. Um, we had really no friends who had any special needs kids. We, we didn't have any community. Um, and, and even at a, at a point where, um, and it's a story that I like to tell, and sometimes I refer to it as the tale of two parking lots, because I remember 10 years ago when we were kind of going through this this valley and, and our we almost separated, I remember sitting in a parking lot outside of the, the church we attended at the time I was ready to go into a, a men's group that met on, on Friday nights, and I remember calling a couple of my oldest friends who, you know, although they were married, they didn't have kids, they, they couldn't relate to what was going on with my kid. Yeah. They, yeah. you know, they, they, they just, they didn't have anything for me as much as they cared. They really had no advice. And, and what was even crazier was even the, the men's group that I met with, they didn't have a lot of advice for me either, so it was a, a extra challenging. So over the course of time, what I intentionally did was really build up resources. And I did that in a variety of ways. I started out uh, just getting the dads together in my local community, the, the dads from the neighborhood or from my kid's school um, that were in his class to do like a, a support group. And I would tell you that there were a couple different incarnations of that. You know, the first one didn't take because men Men have a hard time getting together, especially when they don't know each other, sharing feelings and not my thing.
0: Unless Um, it's about golf and then, you know, they're cool with it.
1: And, and guess what? I hate golf. So I absolutely have nothing to talk about, you know, it's one of those things. So, Um, but yeah, but, but yeah, to your point, it's like, if it's, if it's something common, you can talk about, I mean, in my case, you know, I, I still like a bunch of other things. So, I mean, you know, but in terms of getting inside and saying, Hey, let's talk about what you have going on. Forget it. Right. You know, whereas if you get 10 moms in a room, they're all strangers at the beginning of the night, put a bottle of wine middle of the table, they're best friends by the end, you know, so, um, you know, or, or something like that. So, you know, what I did was, uh, again, I, I tried to start out small and then, from that, I also got connected with uh, some bigger organizations, both locally and nationally. And, and there are a whole variety of ways about how those relationships develop, but I'll just highlight a couple. Um, I actually, I, I had a writing book for years. I, I always saw myself as a writer and, and prospective author, which I actually am working on a book project now. And through some connections we had um, uh, through a, a faith-based organization, Um, that uh, it's not based in Chicago, it's actually national, but um, we had gone to a family retreat that they sponsored for years. So through them, I was able to get um, in touch with some other folks who did some writing and did some blogging, and they introduced me to, um, you know, some organizations that they worked with, they were always looking for writers. So I started blogging, and then you know, the I started out with one small one and then that small one got merged with a bigger one that had more of a national focus. And then once I started writing for them, then I got invited to speak at a conference. And then I started getting invited to speak at other things and then started doing podcasting. And then the ball just started to roll. So I started to develop relationships with folks around the country. And some of these organizations are faith-based, some not. There's actually a great one that I love to highlight and I will push very hard here as I do in all the interviews, which is um, an organization that's based here in Chicago, specifically for special needs dads, but we do have a national presence and we definitely have a big virtual presence and that's called Special Fathers Network. And Special Fathers Network, again, is an organization founded for special needs dads and that is the whole focus. And uh, what's interesting is the guy who founded it is not even a special needs dad himself but he's worked with dad organizations throughout the years, wow. like absentee fatherism, and he saw the need to switch the focus to special needs dad several years ago, and through a mutual friend we met, and so I kind of got on the ground floor of when that organization was getting up and running, and now it's really blown up into something incredible, so there's a ton of great resources through there, and, you know, we've, you know, the the, the guy who runs it is 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 kind of, you know, one of these uh, most interesting men in the world kind of guys, because yeah. he's the guy who literally knows everybody. And, you know, we have we have Hollywood celebrities, literally part of this organization as well. So, so it's really fascinating, cool stuff. But, you know, my, my main point is that, you know, I, I started out my, my journey as a dad who was lost, confused, had questions, didn't know where to turn. And through a lot of hard work, blood, sweat and tears, um and, and really crying out you know crying out to god crying out to anybody who would listen you know i, I need help i need yeah. help and and so by allowing myself to be open opportunities building relationships and really making connections now you know as i mentioned when i had that conversation in the parking lot and i had nobody to call well you know when when my ex-wife and i actually did separate and i needed to make phone calls you know, I had 100 people I could call, you know, years yeah. later, because I developed those relationships. And, and I knew that there were guys that cared about me as I cared about them that I could lean on when I really needed it. So, so the intentionality of community is big. Um, you know, and, and again, based on, you know, I think where a person is coming from, you know, for, for some guys, you know, maybe it's just one person they need. And and that's fine. You know, and I always say, I'm, I'm the guy willing to be able to do that. Um, but you have to start somewhere, And you Mm -hmm. have to be open to it. And you have to be open to leaning in somehow, some way.
0: And not everybody is open to it. You have to meet people where you find them. That's an incredible Mm -hmm. story. What a journey that you're on. I, you know, I I hate the word inspirational, so I'm not going to use that word, but it is, it's really amazing. And I want to dig in a little bit. Most people I talk to when I, when they're sharing their life story, there's a pivotal moment or something that um, came up in their life that changed them from being the person seeking support to becoming the person that gives support. And I want to know, can you identify you know, where that shift was for you and, and why and how that happened?
1: You know, for me, I, I think it kind of developed over time, and I think what was interesting about how it played out is that it, it was something that I think was programmed in me, even years before I started this, and, and a lot of it again really became out came out of my journey. Um, you know, as I like to say, and again, using my teacher brain, I always come up with these weird acronyms for things and all this stuff, but, um, you know, I always say that support is a 1A, 1B conversation. For me, 1A is my faith, it is my Christian faith, which I realize not that's not everybody's thing, and that's fine, but for me, that is the center of mine, and then 1B is community which, you know, if, if you don't have faith or if you don't have the same faith, that's okay, but you need community, you have to have right. people. So for me, what I learned early on is that when our, when our marriage was in trouble, leaning into resources through our church, through men's groups, through, um, you know, d- different counseling sessions we would do in this type of thing. You know, the one thing I learned is that the, the role of a man, the, the real healthy identity, because again, I was kind of in an identity crisis, you know, when I was going through this stuff, is really that of a servant leader. Meaning that um, you you lead by example and you lead through acts of service to your family, to your wife, etc., to your kids, and so that got ingrained in me early on, years before I even got any this. So even while I was in the you know process of getting and receiving, what I kept also hearing was okay. As you have gotten, you now you can go do for someone else, right? And that's that's just the natural give and take. There's no there doesn't even need to be a conversation about that. That's Bravo. just how it is, yeah. you know? So so over time- I so identify, time, identify
0: with that, by the way. I mean, yeah. this has been my journey too, of, you know, being on that path as a special needs parent and then switching gears to being that advocate, that helper, that, you know, deliverer of information to the community and then eventually community building, which is exactly what you're doing now.
1: Right, right. And, and you know, for me then- When that time came, it was just kind of a natural switch that flipped, and I said, "Well, yeah, this is what I want to do." And and I also I I think what what also made it easy was that I I in developing intentionally a network of resources, a lot of the people that I wound up becoming in relationship with were also very supportive of me doing this work and saying, you know, wow, Mm you you've got a voice, you've got talent, you have you know you have a message, you know, like keep keep going, kind of a thing. Um, and and I, and I've certainly had that over the years now, and I'm, I'm very blessed and grateful for that. So, so I think for me now, it's just a natural thing because knowing where I've come from and and not just knowing where I've come from again, 10 years ago, but even these last few years where I've had to deal with a divorce that I did not expect, quite honestly, um, you know, dealing with the ramifications of COVID, which we've all struggled with, um, you know, and, and dealing with, you know, other, you know, personal life transitions within all of that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you. We all need help, but then we also need to make sure that we're helping others along the way. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a very simple life principle, and, and so you know, I, I realize it, some people's thing is is one thing and not another. You know, I mean, there are certainly ways. You know, uh, there there are guys I know who you know can write a big check for someone and say, "Here you go, let's let's bless you this way." That's never been me, but you know what? There are a lot of other things that I can do. And a yeah. lot of it, again, is based on relationship building and being intentional with connecting guys or if anybody ever needs a resource of, hey, who do I talk to for this?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I can I can help you kind of thing, so.
0: Sure, we need it all. Plus, by the way, audience, um, in the show notes, there'll be all of John's contact information. His blog is wonderful. Uh, he's been on so many podcasts and he produces writings and materials for so many well-known organizations, electronic magazines, everything, um, including the Mighty. So if you have any um, time, which I know is very short, uh, go ahead and check it out. I thought it was, I connected with it very much. I thought it was really um, helpful. I mean, there were things in there that helped me. I'm not a dad, but you know, I am a parent and we have that shared journey. I have really wanna know how being an educator has helped you on this journey or maybe not helped you. Maybe it's been the opposite. What, what um, experiences uh, from being an educator really came through as you were parenting and then building community?
1: Yeah, it, that, that was also interesting too how that played out for me because, you know, um, again, going back to when we first got that diagnosis, you know, d- being an educator and, I, and I've always worked with younger kids. I've always had like younger elementary kids or, you know, even preschoolers at times. Um, it, it still didn't prepare me for raising a special needs child. It just didn't, you know, kind of a thing. And so I, I think having my son first of all, challenged me and and in the biggest way I, I would honestly say, really in terms of one having patience, right? Um, you know, and I and I've actually had people make that comment to me in terms of, in a in a school environment, oh, you you're very patient. I'm like, well, I have no other choice. How about that? Sure. <laughs> so um, you know, and and so I I learned, you know, um from raising my own son, you know, the importance of patience. And also the importance of not putting any kid in a box, you know, and saying, okay, well, it's got to be this. It's like, you know what, um, you know, because because that's the interesting thing about raising a special needs kid, and and specifically with autism, that you learn is, you know, we've had the experience, especially when he was younger, of meeting, you know, other parents, you know, moms specifically, and, and going to a lot of these, uh, you know, autism themed conferences and this type of stuff, and you know, there there's always a, a cure. Right, There's always a cure for your kid. Well, have you tried this therapy? Have you mm-hmm. tried this biomed thing? Have you tried this supplement? Are you doing this? And it's like, if you ask anyone, per, like there, there's someone out there who is at least, there's at least one person who's absolutely convinced that they have, a, they have the answer, but right. guess what? It's not one size fits all. And, and there are things we've tried for our son, didn't work. And there are some things that maybe didn't work for someone else. Oh, it kind of takes to that. So you mm-hmm. have to let go of these expectations. Sure. And, and, and that also helped me as an, as an educator to say, you know what, some kids are just not going to respond to whatever you're doing, whatever you plan, hey, just let it go. It's fine. Nice. And, and where that where I think it's really helped me actually specifically um, more recently in my career, because I haven't always done special ed. I, I've actually been in special ed now these last couple of years and, and I know working with with families and, and students specifically, you know, um, especially of younger kids, you know, really kind of having the, the been there done that mentality but also with everything else I do to say, listen, I, I can be a resource for you in other ways, right? It's not just in, in the classroom or with the learning. It's, you know, understand that you may have life decisions to make that have nothing to do with the classroom, but if you need guidance or help or just a, a phone number of somebody, please, please reach out to me. That's totally fine, so.
0: Cool, cool. So with Father's Day approaching, do you have, like, you do you have feelings or does that evoke things in you I have such mixed feelings about Mother's Day so much you know uh, there's so much wrapped up so much expectations wrapped up in these uh, these holidays I don't even know if you want to really call it a holiday but I'm really curious to know you know with with it approaching how how do you feel about that and and has that changed over time from when your son was younger to now
1: it's it's gotten a little interesting more recently for for a specific reason so um you know for for years father's day like mother's day was just you know we we, i I guess we just tried to do it as traditionally as possible right Mm -hmm. um of, of course what specifically is different is that um you know the gift and especially now you know my son is 14 so most 14 year olds are able to kind of figure out their own gift for their mom or dad Mine can, and and so what? What's interesting is that you know from from when my kid was as little as as he was, it was always okay. Let's get something for mom. Let's go pick out flowers at the garden store. Let's pick out a card. Let's sign the card. You know, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. You know, or mm-hmm. help you do that. What what's made it extra challenging now that we're divorced? Quite honestly, is that you know we my my ex wife and I have a good relationship. You know, in, in terms of the parenting thing. Um, But at the end of the day, it's still me buying the gift for her. It's still me kind of picking it out. It's still me helping him sign a card, so to speak. And and there are mixed emotions there because quite honestly, you know, this, this is not anymore my wife. You know, this is not the person I used to love. You know, this is my son's mom. So yes, she deserves a mother's day gift, but this would be so much easier if I had that separation emotionally. And if it was just, okay, dad, hey, can you, can you drive me to wherever to go pick Yeah, sure. Whatever. Fine. And But that's on you, buddy. Whereas it's, it's always going to come from me on some level, right? Because of his challenges. And then um, what's interesting the last couple of years now with Father's Day is he, um, and he just uh, did this last year um, for the first time, he's had the experience of doing overnight camp for a few weeks away. Um, wow. and he tried that last year and it's, um, in our, in our area here, there's actually a, a, a big Jewish organization that does an away camp, um, but they have a whole arm for special needs. And so he's able to access that and then go with them. And it's, it's a great experience for him. Um, you know, but, and it, my ex-wife was raised Jewish. So there's, there's still a family connection there, so to speak, but, um, you know, he, he's able to go and get support and everything, which is great. The problem is, is that he leaves on father's day. And so it's also the bittersweet thing of like, especially last year, you're going to wait overnight camp for the very first time. And I'm really anxious. Cause I'm like, I, I don't even know if you can do this, which he yeah. did and he made it and he was great. And he's going to go again this year. Um, but, you know, he's also leaving on father's day, you know? And it's, so it's like, it was really one of these things of, you know, it's father's day, you know, it's not like I'm spending it with, with your mom, because we're not doing that and you're leaving. So it's like, so it was pretty bittersweet last year and and it'll be a little bit the same this year, but you know, at least it's, it's not the first time I'm doing it. And, and I right. also realize it's a great opportunity for him and he is getting older. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the way. Oh,
0: that's a perfect lead into my next question that I had for you. So first of all, you know, kudos for being brave enough to explore new things because it is so scary to do that stuff. It really is as a parent. Um, he is going to benefit from your bravery and from allowing him to explore and expand his his world. But in thinking about now that you're divorced, this whole idea of future planning, because he's getting close to adulthood here, you know, and adulthood for folks with moderate disabilities, you know, to um, profound disabilities, it's, um, it's a different experience than planning for someone with mild, mildly impacting disabilities, right? Um, So have you started thinking about transition planning, future planning for your son, and what that means for you, and how you have to do this with your wife, ex-wife, because I've been through this, I'm going through it, and frankly, it's, really, it's hard enough to do it when you're still together as a couple. Um, But you know, taking this split into consideration, it just really adds to the stress and difficulty. So I want to know where you're at with all of this and how you're feeling about it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an equally challenging conversation, too, as far as that goes. Um, You know, and, and again, part of it is that as we were raising him, you know, we started to have those conversations, you know, when he was like five. And, you know, the, the one benefit is that um, he has a, a grandmother, my, my mother-in-law, um, who has actually set him up in terms of resources very well, you know, we have a we have a trust, you know, set up, you know, so and, and you know, if parents don't know, you know, there are financial considerations and, and legal considerations. So, you know, you have to make sure money is protected in certain ways, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, depending on the nature of what his situation is going to be. So, you know, we, we, we know that he will be taken care of what that looks like, you know, I, I will tell you that for years, we had a plan and the plan was probably, um, you know, he would probably stay in the home he was raised in, and we turn that into some form of a, a group home entity, so to speak. Um, we never liked the idea of him being away from the community he grew up in because we wanted that familiarity. But mm-hmm. now, of course, because I, I'm not living in the same home, and, and I don't honestly know what my ex's plans are for what she wants to do when he turns 22 and ages out, right. um, you know, we, we have discussed the possibility of him doing some some group home settings the challenge with group homes of course is you know the and and i'm in illinois and, and i'm gonna say illinois is famous for being pretty bad with 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 resources especially in terms of state funded stuff so you know there there are some options but you know we're we're just not sure about what any of those look like necessarily and and so i would tell you that while we we already know what high school looks like we know what transition is going to look like um we have ideas about post transition um you know it it's it's a little bit of, of a muddy waters now because and a lot of it again is because we had a plan as a married couple, and we we're not married now, so um chances are it's not going to be exactly the same. what it's going to be, we're not sure of um you know, I would tell you that there is a fair amount of fear there, um certainly on my part because again i I have an awareness of what living in a group home environment would mean for him. And yes. again, I, I don't want to generalize all of them and say they're all terrible because they're not. However, um, you know, you you hear stories, you hear sure. stories. And so, you know, it, it's it, it just makes it that much more difficult to make those type of decisions. But at the same time, I also know that we we have some time, which you got to be careful when you say that because saying you have some time and then that time goes like that.
0: It tell it really you know, does.
1: You know, and, and it, it does. But, you know, what I also know is I now have the resources and the support to lean back on to say, hey, let me ask you, what do you think about this? What's this choice look like? And, 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 and literally, I've, I, you know, I've got some really great relationships with people that I know will give me good advice. So,
0: wonderful.
1: I'll lean on that as, as time progresses. So,
0: what would be your tip? for other dads who are in the same situation as you, who need to carve out a plan, not the plan itself, but a plan for how they're going to work with their ex-spouse to develop future plans and be flexible because they change all the time, as you just highlighted for us. So what's your tip for dads in, you know, how do you get to that level of communication so that you actually can plan together?
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's hard. And, and I'll tell you, I, I had actually come up with something during COVID. I did a, Actually, I wrote a blog about it, and I actually did a little video presentation for one of my other organizations. And what I came up with, again, with, with, with the teacher mindset here, I came up with what I call the three Cs. So I said, I, I call them communication, coordination, and compassion. And, and I related it specifically to COVID because, you know, based out of experiences that I had had, again, being a newly separated, newly divorced guy... Um, you know, we had to, you know, you, you really had to figure out how you were managing a household, you know, families during COVID were really coming together in new ways and figuring out different dynamics in their relationships. And like, yes. do I really like you or do I don't kind Heck of a thing? Yes. And we're driving <laughs> me crazy. Yes. And, and, you know, being divorced, you know, and, and very newly figuring out schedules and all this stuff is crazy. But when I came up with these three C's, what I said is one communication. So you you need you need to be open in terms of your communication and let the other person know as much as you're comfortable with what's going on. You know, I'm comfortable saying to my ex, listen, I've had something come up. Um, Maybe the schedule has to be different or even like during Mm -hmm. COVID, you know, hey, listen, I I heard this news on the radio about everything's closed as of tomorrow. You know, we might need to figure something out. You know, you want to just keep those communication lines open because at, at the end of the day, um, you know, are, are there conversations, maybe you'd rather not have, or oh, I, I really don't want to go there with her or whatever. But, you know, if you can put things on the table as much as possible, then it just makes it easier. Because again, then I mean, you're just being honest in terms of what's going on. Right. And then with coordination, you want to make sure again, that you're looking at whatever you're dealing with, whatever that problem is and saying, Okay, look, um, how are we going to work this out? You know, um, one thing that we had to learn while we were still married, was the power of the calendar, right? Because not just in terms of, okay, when is he going to therapy X, Y, and Z? But when am I getting self-care time? when are you getting self-care time? When do you get to go to yoga? When do I get to go to men's group? When do you get to do this, that, or the other thing? And that's something we had to intentionally learn as a married couple. And now of course that we're separated, we have an app that we use. And in that app, we drop everything again, like nuts and bolts stuff, but also, hey, he had a good night. He had a bad night. He felt sick, whatever. So that coordination piece is also critical because then you also have that structure to lean back on too. And again, it can be a little, you can take some of the emotion out of it, right? It's okay, look, I see this is going on here. This is going to be fair to you, not fair to me, et cetera. And then you just work from there. But then that last piece is compassion, right? And and the way that I highlighted it during COVID was this, you want to think about as I had to, when this is over, right? Because at at some point we knew COVID was going to end and and we we think we're mostly out of it now. I know it's not totally eradicated or whatever, but for the most part, life is pretty back to normal as normal as it can be. Um, But think about how do you want to show up when this is over, right? I mean, do you want to look back at yourself two years from now and say, wow, I was a real Bleepity bleep to that person, <laughs> and and you know, how, how do I feel about that, right? And again, also reflecting as as a Christian myself, okay, am I am I living out my faith because I you know threw my fists in the air and was screaming about something I thought wasn't fair? No, I, I've got to look at that, right? I've got to look at that, and it's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, because I've been angry. You know, I still sometimes get angry. You know, sometimes you really want to be angry because sometimes it just feels good to be angry. But you know what? You have to reflect on what the damage is going to be. What's the collateral damage from that? And especially, again, as a, as a divorced parent with kids, what are they going to see, right? right? I mean, because in my special needs son case, yeah, he's nonverbal. Doesn't mean he doesn't see stuff. Of
0: doesn't course.
1: Mean he hear things.
0: He's taking it all out. Absolutely. Right.
1: And, and have an emotional reaction to it. So, so the compassion piece is also critical. It's, you know, how do you wanna show up? As hard as it is, you have to get the emotions out of it um, mm-hmm. as much as possible. And that's also where those other two pieces where you can be a little bit more detached and just say, hey, we're making it about the kid. We're making it about the schedule. Let's just stick to that and everything else can be put on the
0: side. This is gold, gold, really great mm-hmm. advice. And on that note of great advice, do you have any advice for newly diagnosed parents, Um, especially dads? When a dad gets a new diagnosis and and you went through this, what would you say to him?
1: I would say, do not live on an island. Don't think that it's just going to go away. Don't think that you're just going to fix it. And don't think that you don't need help because you do. You need Mm -hmm. someone. If you have someone to talk to, great. If you don't get someone to talk to, and again, this is also where I'm going to, especially as you mentioned, like a, like a newer diagnosis and a dad who's trying to figure it out. I'm going to highlight the special father's network again, because what this, mm-hmm. what what our organization offers, first of all, we have a mentoring program, okay? And, and it's not tied to geography, okay? Because again, we're, we're totally virtual. So yes. you can get connected with a mentor father. We have mentor dads all over the country quite honestly, we've got mentor dads in a lot of places in the world, in fact, too, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, you can get connected with a mentor dad in your geographical area or not, same age group, same diagnosis or disability, uh, you know, you can be matched with someone pretty closely to what you're looking for in terms of the demographics, and then with that, then basically, you um, you know you can go to okay is this a person I'd like to talk to and etc so you know definitely lean into that we have a great series of podcasts we mm-hmm. have a great series of uh, we have a YouTube channel with tons of videos um, yep. we, we, we do these panel discussions and all these different things I've, I've certainly been on a lot of those I've done the podcast as well um, and we also have a virtual conference which we actually just did this last Saturday we always do it in May um great virtual conference we do once a year but again those resources you know once you get signed up you know you can also plug into some of those as well too and you know even if it's a matter of okay you know i'm not going through all this stuff but i really have a question about this or this is something i'd like to know more about there's all kinds of resources for whatever specifically you need it's a great organization so i would absolutely say get plugged into that and then from there you know it's kind of just a pick and choose thing because Mm -hmm. what's great about our organization is that all the guys that are involved, like myself, also have their own stuff, either, again, in their geographic area right. or maybe specifically to a disability or whatever it is. So you'll you'll find your niche, but it's a great place to start just because of um, just how, how big and just how many resources we've got under one
0: umbrella. I love that. And I love that you have on-demand resources because not everybody can join at a certain time. One of the reasons I love podcasting and I loved listening to podcasts before I started this podcast because it was on demand information and support. Sometimes just listening can help make you feel better that day or that moment. Um, I love that you said earlier in this podcast that it's okay to feel your feelings, whether it's anger or whatever. It's so great. Um, We can't stuff it down. It's there. And, you know, we're so lucky that we're living in this age where we can show up for people electronically, you know, it's, it's just wonderful. So I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for living out your faith and showing up for everybody here that's listening today. I really um, found this to be so Exciting, actually, all the things that you're doing. So, um, really grateful. I hope you have the most wonderful Father's Day, and you. that um, you know you continue on this journey and and keep us posted with what you're doing because it's really, really incredible.
1: Absolutely, yes. And and, and that last thing I would just say to everybody out there, all the dads, get connected and stay connected. And and again, I am. I am always, myself personally, I am always available to speak to anyone or answer any questions, you know, that's never an issue for me, you know, I, I really mean that when I say I live it out, um, anyone can get a hold of me through my website, social media, email, you know, anytime, it's, you know, it's not, never a problem.
0: That's so generous. And we will have all of those um... In the, Post it in the show notes and make sure that people can connect with you on your various social because you're showing up everywhere and it's wonderful. I'm so glad that we got to talk today. So yes, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping if you are please take a second to leave a rating and a review it's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it thank you so much